Welcome to Hymology on the Gospel Radio Network, a program sponsored by the Mars Hill Church of Christ, located at 1135 Rucker Road, Christiana, Tennessee, 37037. You may contact us by phone at 615-203-3637. If you would like more information about our congregation or this program, you may visit our website at www.marshillcoc.org. We invite you to join us every Tuesday morning at 11 a.m. right here on TGRN.org. And now, here is your host, Brother Kyle Webb. Welcome to Hymology. My name is Kyle Webb. I serve as the minister for the Mars Hill Church of Christ that meets in Christiana, Tennessee. I'm happy that you've joined our program for today. Today's song that we are looking at is actually a request. And yes, I do take requests. So if you have a favorite song that you would like to submit to either me personally or through the TGRN office, uh, I certainly would be glad to keep those in consideration and use them for future lessons. But today's song is Farther Along. Written by W.B. Stevens and arranged by J.R. Baxter, Jr. It's a song that is very near and dear to many of our hearts. It's one that I think that most of us can identify with in one way or another because we all go through the same things that, that are kind of expressed in the lyrics of this song. Let's begin by looking at the the hymn history here, the way that we usually begin. And we begin by looking at the lyrics themselves. Written by William Buell Stevens, who was born in Scotland County, Missouri in 1862. His father was Buell Stevens, notably one of 80 soldiers referred to as German Methodists arrested and charged with mutiny in 1862. Buell was one of three made examples of and sent to federal prison in Alton, Illinois. All three returned to service after six months of appeals. Just an, an interesting note there about Mr. Stevens' father. We also have an interesting note about his uncle. His uncle died suddenly of heart disease at only 48 years of age. And his son died similarly at 17 years of age, while William would have been in his late teens. And I think this does play a part in his background as far as the the context of this song. Stevens and his wife joined the Church of God of Holiness, a Pentecostal church. They were traveling evangelists for a time before establishing two church communities in Queen City, Missouri and Moulton, Iowa, respectively. He was a minister of the gospel until his death shortly after his wife's in the early 1940s. And something else of note in his life that that I think really gives us um, something to consider in regard to the way that this song is written. All of their children died before them. 
most as infants or small children. And the ones who were older, for instance, they had a son named Waldo who died at 19. And they also had a daughter who may have been slightly older, um, but for the most part, their children died very young. I can only imagine what that must have been like for parents to see all of their children. It's, it's enough to lose one child, and I don't know exactly how many children they had, but to see all of their children die, I know that must have been a, a very hard thing for them to do. The arrangement of this song is attributed to J.R. Baxter, Jr. Jesse Randall Baxter, Jr., also known as Pat, was born in Lebanon, Alabama on December 8, 1887, and he died January 21, 1960. In 1926, he bought a portion of Virgil Stamps Gospel Music Firm, which then became Stamps Baxter Music and Printing Company. And Mr. Baxter ran its Chattanooga office until Virgil Stamps passed away. And in 1940, he began to run the main office in Dallas, Texas. A lot of the songs that we sing, including Farther Along, you'll notice the copyright at the bottom of them is attributed to Stamps Baxter Music or Stamps Baxter Music and Printing. Um, but that is, is exactly where that comes from. And so a lot of the songs that, that we sing began in publishing with Stamps Baxter Music. As we look at the song itself, we look at its first appearances. In 1911, it was in Select Hymns for Christian Worship, edited by Barney Elliott Warren, as Further Along. And it was later included in New Songs of Inspiration, book number six, uh, John T. Benson Publishing Company, as Farther Along, with similar lyrics that were attributed to Warren, the original editor uh, of the first book in 1911. In 1944, it was in Radiant Joy, edited by R.E. Winsett, a familiar name uh, in regard to many of the songs that we sing. The words were set to a tune by Robert E. Winsett, noted original words owned by R.E.W. We find that in several of the songs that we sing also. But the version of it that we currently use was originally published in 1937 in a book called Starlit Crown, edited by Baxter and Virgil Stamps for Stamps Baxter Music and Printing Company. Another arrangement was later published in Select Radio Songs, edited by Albert E. Brumley. This arrangement is attributed to Robert E. Arnold, not to be confused with Robert S. Arnold, who wrote No Tears in Heaven that we looked at just a few weeks ago, but Robert E. Arnold, the author of Lovest Thou Me, Feed My Sheep, uh, another song that we sing from time to time. Farther along may be found in most hymn books commonly used today. 
And so we are familiar with it for that reason, uh, but it is in most of our songbooks. The information that, that I gathered the history from can be found on the internet. Uh, I do have a couple of books that I use, but whenever I can't find a song in either of those books, I usually turn to these websites, and, and these have some great information on them. One is hymnary.org, hymnary.org, and you can find it under Tempted and Tried, Wrought Made to Wonder, the first line of the song, or its title, Farther Along, uh, and of course, the one that is written by Mr. Stevens. Uh, one interesting note about hymnary is if you look at it on that website, there are photos of the original publishing of that song. So you can go back and look at some of the original words, which there are some different verses that are in Farther Along that we won't look at today. Uh, but there are some, some good photos of, of the original publishing there. There's also some good information on hymnstudiesblog.wordpress.com. Hymnstudiesblog.wordpress.com under the title Farther Along. Uh, but both of these were great sources of information. As a matter of fact, most of the verses that I use in today's lesson come from the Hymn Studies blog. So uh, those are some good places for you to visit, some good sources. But as we look at the song itself, as we get into the hymn meaning and context, uh, we see the reason that it was written, but, but how does this apply to Scripture? What of this is inspired by Scripture? And what can we learn from it? This song is written, uh, again, amidst various trials and struggles faced by its author, likely in reference to the death of his children at such young ages, uh, among other difficulties. But as we look at some of the scriptural references, one that, that comes to mind is Luke 16, verses 19 through 22. There was a certain rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. But there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, full of sores, who was laid at his gate desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. So it was that the beggar died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And there's a little more to that story. But as we look at the, the, the beginning of the rich man and Lazarus, we see that the rich man obviously was very well-to-do. And Lazarus was the complete opposite. He was poor. He was very sickly, it seems, uh, very hungry. And so we have that imagery between the two. We find that, that later on, Lazarus, even though he suffered in this life, Though we may not understand completely, we do know that he was comforted in paradise. Why did Lazarus suffer in this life? We don't know, but he was comforted. And the rich man, on the other hand, was in torment. 
So we know that the rich man was not faithful to God. He didn't look to God. He was very proud of what he had done for himself. And so Lazarus we find in comfort and the rich man in torment. I also think of Matthew 25, the judgment scene. In Matthew 25 and beginning with verse 31, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate them one from another as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. And he will set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right hand, Come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. And again, there's more to, to this, but for time's sake, let's just concentrate on the initial scene. We have a separation of the sheep and the goats. The righteous on the right, the sheep, will hear the words, Come, you blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Why were they granted this great blessing? Because of their deeds and life. I was hungry. You gave me food. I was thirsty. You gave me drink. I was a stranger. You took me in naked and you clothed me sick and you visited me. Well, when did we do any of these things for you, Jesus? In that you have done it to the least of these, my brethren. You have done it unto me is his reply. And so as we we look at this, we understand that all may know why their eternity is so. When we face judgment, we will know why. We are granted either to come in with Christ or why we are denied. It's based on the deeds of this life, at least to some degree. And so we have that understanding. And that's one of the things that, that the song expresses. Uh, we'll understand it all by and by. And certainly we will. That is so true. Let's look at the lyrics of this song. Let's begin with stanza one. Tempted and tried, we're oft made to wonder. Why it should be thus all the day long, while there are others living about us, never molested, though in the wrong. Certainly we are tempted, not by God, mind you, but by Satan. James chapter 1, verses 13 through 15, Let no one say, when he is tempted, I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt any one? But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then, when we desire, or when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. 
And sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. You've heard the saying, the devil made me do it. Well, to some degree, that is very true. However, when we are tempted, we are also responsible for giving in to that temptation, if that is what we do. We are given a choice. Jesus showed that when he was tempted in Matthew chapter 4 and in Luke chapter 4, he showed that we are given a choice because even when he was tempted, he did not give in to those temptations. If we give in, it is because we allow ourselves to be drawn away by those desires. We allow ourselves to sin. We, we maybe rationalize it, but we are the ones that ultimately make that decision whether or not we will sin. And so as we look at temptation, we understand that it doesn't come from God. God does not tempt us. God cannot be associated with evil. He can't be tempted by it. He's not going to tempt you. He will allow us to be tested. But he is not going to tempt us. So when we face trials and things of that nature, we have that idea in mind, at least in regard to temptation. But let's also look at our sufferings. Let's stay in James 1 for a moment and let's look together at verses 2 through 8. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. There is something that comes, some benefit that comes from being tested. There is a difference between temptation and testing. But when it comes to being tested, it can help us to grow. Verse 4, but let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 6 through 7, In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. When we suffer, there can be benefit found in that suffering, something that will help us to grow and help us to face different things later on. And we are not the only ones who have wondered about the prosperous wicked. Tempted and tried, we're oft made to wonder why it should be thus all the day long. Why are we suffering? While there are others living about us, never molested, though in the wrong. How can that be? How does that work? Well, we're not the only ones to think that way. Look with me at Psalm 73. Let's look together at verses 1 through 9. Truly God is good to Israel, to such as are pure in heart. 
But as for me, my feet had almost stumbled. My steps had nearly slipped, for I was envious of the boastful when I saw the prosperity of the wicked, for there are no pangs in their death, but their strength is firm. They are not in trouble as other men, nor are they plagued like other men. Therefore pride serves as their necklace. Violence covers them like a garment. Their eyes bulge with abundance. They have more than heart could wish. They scoff and speak wickedly concerning oppression. They speak loftily. They set their mouth against the heavens, and their tongue walks through the earth. We are certainly not the only ones to ponder the wickedness of men. I was envious of the boastful when I saw the prosperity of the wicked and seeing that they did not suffer in the same way that I do. That's the the idea that is expressed in Psalm 73. But let's move on to stanza two. When death has come and taken our loved ones, it leaves our home so lonely and drear. Then do we wonder why others prosper, living so wicked year after year. Uh, This continues the thought expressed in verse 1. Death comes to us all. Hebrews 9.27 And it is appointed for men to die once, but after this the judgment. We will all face death, and we know that we will all face death at some point in our lives. But even greater, sometimes the hardest is not to deal with my own death personally, but maybe the death of a loved one. Maybe you've lost someone close to you. And so whenever that happens, again, we have that that kind of thought that, that we wonder, well, why why them? I think especially in terms of a drunk driver, when, say, the, the drunk driver lives, but the one that he hits passes away. We don't understand why the wicked would be allowed to live in that situation and not the innocent party. Let's look at Job's view of the wicked. Let's look at Job 21, verses 7 through 13. Job 21, beginning with verse 7. Why do the wicked live and become old? Yes, become mighty in power. Their descendants are established with them in their sight, and their offspring before their eyes. Their houses are safe from fear. Neither is the rod of God upon them. Their bull breeds without failure. Their their cow calves without miscarriage. They send forth their little ones like a flock and their children dance. They sing to the tambourine and harp and rejoice to the sound of the flute. They spend their days in wealth and in a moment go down to the grave. Why are so many good people allowed to suffer? These things we do not understand. And the author is being very honest about that. And again, I think back to his situation, seeing all of his children die. That's a very difficult thing. We don't understand it, but we will understand it by and by. Stanza 3 kind of turns a corner and, and looks more on the positive side of things. 
faithful till death, said our loving master. A few more days to labor and wait. Toils of the road will then seem as nothing as we sweep through the beautiful gate. Faithfulness is encouraged. Jesus commends those who are faithful, especially despite their trials and sufferings. Look at the letter to the church of Smyrna in Revelation 2 and verse 8. These things says the first and the last, who was dead and came to life. I know your works, tribulation and poverty, but you are rich. I know the blasphemy of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Verse 10, Do not fear any of those things which you are about to suffer. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison, that you may be tested, and you will have tribulation ten days. Be faithful until death, and I will give you the crown of life. Yes, the church had suffered, but God knew. God knows all. I know your works, tribulation, and poverty, even though you are rich. And the, the, the last line of that letter, Be faithful until death, and I will give you the crown of life. That's something that we are all encouraged in, our faithfulness until death. Even though you're suffering, be faithful until death. Our sufferings are certainly not to be compared with the splendor of heaven. Romans 8, 18, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. We can't understand the riches of heaven, but we do know that they are there and that they are promised for us. Stanza 4. When we see Jesus coming in glory, when he comes from his home in the sky, then we shall meet him in that bright mansion. We'll understand it all by and by. When Jesus returns, he will receive us unto himself. And the mansion that has been promised us will be there. John 14, beginning with verse 1, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And where I go you know, and the way you know. What we know of heaven is revealed to us in Scripture. The promise will be, and our faith is in God. Farther along, we'll know all about it. Farther along, we'll understand why. Cheer up, my brother. Live in the sunshine. We'll understand it all by and by. Thank you for being with me today, and I hope that this has been a helpful study for you. I invite you to join us next Tuesday, Lord willing, at 11 a.m. right here on TGRN.org. And until we meet again, may God continue to bless you.